As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Sheffield United fans, welcome back to the Totally Football League show. Goodbye, Canaries. Whilst you might be leaving our pod, the good news is over on The Athletic, there's room for you both. If you haven't already got yourself a subscription, then head to theathletic.com slash league show where there's a special deal for you, listener. It's £3.99 a month for six months. Plus, there's loads of EFL content. Phil Buckingham's piece on the upcoming Essex Derby in League Two, James Pearce on Blackpool's boss Neil Critchley, and read all about the tuba at Norwich's promotion party. And the good news is, if you like this podcast but hate the ads, then you get all our pods ad-free. Head to theathletic.com slash league show now. Norwich are celebrating, Swindon are commiserating and Grimsby are coupon busting. Welcome to the EFL, where every league is super. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. And we feel we should have a voice in running our industry. And I mean ours, I don't mean mine, I mean ours. Because football belongs to everybody. It's the great Brian Clough talking in 1983. Anyway, how are you doing, listener? Matt Davis-Adams here to talk you through another weekend in the English Football League. I'm joined by the hardest working man in football and now babysitting, Sam Parkin. Good afternoon, Matthew. How are you doing? All right, yeah, better than you've been looking after three kids between the ages of nine and one all morning. Um, Adrian Clark's also with us. You all right, Chief? Uh, fed up with football, but let's not go there. Um, but yeah, all good. Well, hopefully this this will be um, a, a nice antidote to the nonsense we've had for the last 24 hours. Also joining us, a big welcome back to the one and only Fake or Others. Hi, Fake. Hello. I'm not fed up with football, or I wasn't on Saturday until everything kind <laughs> of went to shit on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> More of the good stuff later. First, though, let's kick off in the manner which has become customary. Performance of the weekend. Yes, it's performance of the weekend. We get 15 seconds each to make our case for who gave the best performance in the EFL this weekend just past. Adrian, you can go first. Uh, after Faye's heart here, you pick Luton Town. Your 15 seconds start now. Yeah, it was only 1-0, but Luton taught Watford apart with a vibrant, suffocating and dominant performance. 16 shots to five, none from the Hornets on target. James Collins scoring from the spot with his first touch was fun. But this rear derby success was a triumph for the Hatters Collective. Nice. Very good. Good timing. Getting better with that, I think. Uh, Faye, you've gone for Coventry City, who uh, are popular I just... pick. 
Can I put a caveat in here? I obviously would have picked Luton Town, but Adrian decided to get in there first. And as far as I'm concerned, there is only one performance of the week. Sorry, Coventry fans. If you want to vote as a Coventry fan, vote Coventry, but everybody else should be voting Luton, clearly. Uh, Anyway, you've got 15 seconds. I feel like you've kind of killed your own argument, to be honest, but you can have a go anyway. Um, 15 seconds start now. The Sky Blues are riding Higham and up in the Goddens after a gutsy performance against playoff chasing Barnsley as they fight for their lives. Back-to-back wins for Mark Robbins' side mean they're nine points clear of the relegation places and close to sealing another season in the championship. Bravo. Oh, puns, facts, timing, a bit of everything. Uh, Sam, some pressure on you, therefore, as you tried to convince the listeners that it was in fact Grimsby Town who gave the performance of the weekend. Your 15 seconds start now. Brilliant win. One defeat in 10 now for Paul Hurst Mariners. Just a shame that seven of those have been draws. Spirited, hard-fought victory over high-flying opposition to banish the memory of last week's on-field spat between two Grimsby teammates. Seven points from safety, five games left. Stranger things have happened. Doing very well on the timings this week. Um, I'm going to round this off. I pick Wimbledon. My 15 seconds start now. Those informed dons amongst the goals. Again, a 4-1 trouncing of Swindon, lifting Wimbledon further from danger. Joe pigged out, scoring twice against the poorest town defence. His team could have had more too, hitting the bar twice. Underground, overground, wombling free of the threat of relegation to League Two. Beautiful. Thanks, Faye. Um, head to at the Twitter, at the Twitter? Head to at the Totally Show on Twitter to vote. Uh, before we championship, we're giving an extra performance of the week award to TFLS family member Michelle Owen for being great at her job and sticking it to the cretins on social media. Faye, I'm sure you can sympathise with the abuse she took on Twitter over the weekend. There really are an awful lot of heads on Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah, you summed it up perfectly. Me and Michelle have talked about this for years now. Uh, you just have to ignore them. Um, she tends to to retweet and fight back at them. I, I'm more of a, a muter. I don't even block because I don't want to give them the satisfaction. But I don't get it anywhere near as as bad as Michelle gets and, and, and some other people either. And, and some of the stuff that people say, it's just disgusting, completely unnecessary. And Michelle's right to call it out and look at the amount of people that have come out in solidarity of her. These kind of people should not be on Twitter. There has to be some kind of passport ID system because people are calling it out now. They're showing it everywhere. So keep embarrassing yourselves. Go for it. Keep making yourselves look like heads, as Matt says. Go for it because eventually the good people will will out. Well said. Well done, Michelle. Right. It's time to championship. Championship headlines, Norwich's season-long loan to the Championship is officially coming to an end after they seal promotion. Sheffield United will be back with us next season. In the race for second, Watford lost, but then Swansea and Brentford drew as Bournemouth beat the promoted Canaries. What's that, Woody? Up the cherries. Coventry, the biggest winners at the bottom after two big wins at the bottom. Uh, And Darren Moore is in hospital being treated for COVID pneumonia. We wish him a speedy recovery. Now then, we've not given Norwich a huge amount of airtime this season because it was pretty obvious early on that they were going up quite safely. But we are joined now by Michael Bailey, who covers the Canaries for the Athletic. Uh, Michael, I say I say it was pretty obvious from, from early on. Was that the feeling that you got from, from covering Norwich? I mean, I'm talking pre-season preparations as well. Everything seemed to have gone pretty well, uh, you know, back for the return to the Championship. Yeah, to be honest, I remember being asked uh, for my predictions before the season started from some of the Norwich pods and whatnot. And 
I, I could imagine the teenage Norwich fan in, in me sort of slapping me around the face when I said it, but I, I said I thought they would win it basically because a i'd given them quite a lot of leeway over the bigger picture stuff and what they were trying to do in terms of growing the club um in the midst of a abject relegation i was probably worried most worried at the end of the october transfer window because for me you had the prospect of todd cantwell emmy buendia being upset and just sort of lingering and had daniel farker not managed that situation so well he wouldn't have been able to get out um the best of them after that situation i think it's a remarkable piece of man management that he kept everyone on side and once they did that and hit their straps uh, i think it was pretty clear they were they were going to finish in the in the top two and then the stumbles of watford and bournemouth probably made it clear that they would be the best team in the division as as things rolled on so so yeah but it shouldn't diminish the achievement because it's it's pretty special what they've done in terms of turning the mentality around Michael, completely agree about getting Pookie and Buendia's uh, mentality right, I suppose. That's got to be a, a huge difference maker for them. Um, I just want to ask you about Oliver Skip for people that haven't seen the, the championship and haven't seen Norwich this season. How integral has he been to Norwich's success and, and what exactly has he brought to the team? Yeah, this is this is a dark day because I thought that that Norwich's hopes of keeping Ollie for a second season would probably rest on Jose staying in his job. Yeah. So um, I think he's been the best young player in the championship. But when you consider he's only just turned 20, this was his first season of senior regular football. I think he's been a force of nature. I think he's been brilliant. I think it, there are so many facets to a game that, that are so good you know he, he can use the ball really well he can clearly map where things what what's happening on the pitch in his mind because he his awareness of where people are is is excellent I think um given it's his first season of, of any kind of football of note and he's sort of experiencing that regular men's football for the first time the way he's consistently performed has been outstanding so I think he's got so much ahead of him and he's got the right attitude to deliver it he's a great young man to speak to and um, it's been a joy to be honest it's probably just a shame that his one season and, and such an influential season at Norwich will be done with all the fans really appreciating what he's done but him never you know basically meeting most of them um, and then playing in front of them that's obviously a big shame but no. we know all that. He's been great. Yeah, no doubt about it, Michael. Um, yeah, when I saw, saw him live, I, I was really impressed uh, on, bo on both occasions. Talking of holes to fill, if he doesn't come back, are, who else will Norwich lose? That's the, and I don't want to be too negative here because you're celebrating promotion, but who will they sell this time around? In my view, I look at the um, the squad and I, I don't see anyone apart from Skip and Emmy Brendia walking into a top half Premier League team. I genuinely don't. So so is it just going to be Emmy that goes this time around? Yeah, I've, I've had to really think about this because I think a lot of the fan base and, and Norwich themselves are kind of braced for what happens now and their recruitment team will be... I think they feel that they can replace anyone, um, but then recruitment teams probably always think that. I think it, so much depends on who comes in for them and how much money they've got. I, d I don't. I mean, Norwich are not in a position. All these players are on long-term contracts, and Norwich are not in a position where they particularly need the money. I think the one consideration they've probably got is that if a, if they got a decent offer for one player. It, it stops there being almost a backlog if next season doesn't go very well because they probably don't want to be in a position where there are four or five players who do then want to leave. You're almost better off staggering it and taking some money if you get a decent offer for someone. And also Norwich will be keen on it being the right club. 
I don't think they'd have sold Ben Gibson, Ben Gibson, Ben Godfrey to Fulham, for example, last summer. I think they liked the fact it was Everton because it was a step up. They want to, they want to give this narrative. They want to spend the time developing these players and then give them a narrative of look, you've you've made a step forward, and then it's up to you whether you then produce or not. So you know, Ben at Everton and, and Jamal at, at Newcastle United as well, which you know, ultimately is a is a better supported, bigger club than than Norwich. So there's 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 several facets there, but I mean. I don't know. We look at everything that's happened today. It's obviously been a mental day. Has is anyone just going to shell out forty million quid for Emi Buendia or, or thirty five million? I, I I don't know really. I don't know who it is who comes in for them. And if Norwich are in a great position now, because if they don't, then you know it's all right, isn't it? I'd take Emi Buendia in the Premier League for them next year. I think he's a really exciting prospect for them again next year after the back of what he's learnt two seasons ago. So. It's a really difficult one to answer. Um, I guess Norwich will just be sitting there waiting to see who comes in and trying to prepare best for if it happens. Um, hopefully, it'll just be the Ollie skip hole they need to fill. <laughs> it, you've been a delight to watch all season, as as you were when you were in the Premier League, actually, um, Michael. And, and you know the affection that I have for for Norwich and the way your, your owners run things. I, I think it's it's exactly the proper way to to run things. And you went into the Premier League last time with the intention of not changing the style. Do you think Daniel Farker perhaps has learnt from that experience, or are we going to see the same kind of Norwich? that we've seen in the championship this season when they go up a step again, or are they going to be a bit smarter about it? The, the exciting thing about the guys at, at Norwich Bay is that they, they are, they are pretty quick learners and, and they do learn. And I think Stuart Weber himself said, if, if we just do the same thing again, then, you know, then sack me <laughs> because, you know, then you've learned nothing. So I think, I think they will have more money to spend. I mean, you have to appreciate Norwich, uh, uh, Norwich loaned in Ben Gibson and Dimitris Yanulis. On the promise of spending 15 million quid to buy them permanently if they were promoted, which they will now do. They only spent 10 million quid um, when they went up last time. <laughs> so they basically committed to that when they were still in the championship. But they have really tried to alter how they play in midfield so that the fullbacks are a bit more protected behind them. And so they don't look as open. I don't like the word naive because I think they know, knew what they were getting into. They were just trying to stick to stick to a way that they play football. So they've definitely, you know, remodeled how they go about how they go about trying to take on a game. There's a lot of hunger for those at Norwich to prove that it's, they're just, they're not cannon fodder. Um, and I know most people outside of Norwich are looking at it and thinking, oh, great, yeah, well, you know, we'll, 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 we'll see you back down in the championship in 12 months time, but you can't really remove the motivation that that's creating inside. So, you know, maybe it will all come down to money, but I think they're, they're looking forward to maybe trying to prove a different way of doing it, which in fairness, they have proved is, is possible in the championship. Michael, enjoy the Premier League. Uh, we might see you back here in uh, in 12 months' time, but, but hopefully for your sake not. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for all your contributions this season. Absolutely my pleasure. And you know what? If I was back here in 12 months' time, I'd be delighted. <laughs> Very good. Michael Bailey, Norwich reporter for The Athletic there. Well, Norwich's promotion came in part as a result of Swansea's failure to beat bottom side Wickham in South Wales. For a moment in the second half, Wickham, dressed in canary yellow, were playing like the league leaders. See Admiral Musquay's goal. Piazzo back to Admiral Musquay! Well, Wickham needs something very special to stay in the championship and Admiral Musquay may just have provided it. They were 2-0 up. However, they couldn't hold on as Swansea scored twice in the final 10 minutes to salvage a point. But, Sam... Feels like a big missed opportunity for, for Swansea here after Watford's defeat. They would have been four points off second if they'd won here. 
Yeah, definitely. And especially after they've been managed to pull a couple of results out of the hat uh, the last um, couple of games. So, yeah, big disappointment. But I think you have to credit Wickham maybe with a bit of pressure off. I thought they played exceptionally well. Great entertainment, to be honest. It was a really thrilling finish to the game. Um, Swansea have tried a few different systems in the last few weeks. And obviously with the IU injury... Steve Cooper's going to have to box clever in the in the weeks ahead, but I thought Liam Cullen coming back on could be a difference maker. If you remember, he got injured after scoring two against your lot, Matt, in, in January. So I think he rushed back for this. Just um, not had any reserve football, Premier League two, or whatever it is, football. Um, so brilliant to see him get a goal and uh, he could be featuring in the weeks ahead. But I, I think they've got enough in the tank now to... Obviously, cement themselves in the playoffs, but that automatic position, despite Watford's defeat, uh, looks to be going to the Hornets in my mind. It's a difficult one for them, Faye, isn't it? Because they're they're fairly well ensconced in the playoff places, but you don't want to go into those with a whimper. And four points is not, it's, sorry, six points is not an impossible margin for them to uh, to recover, particularly given that they've got to play Watford still. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a crucial game, isn't it? It's going to be fascinating. Um, I, I kind of look at Swansea and, and think they've been so good all season, but right at the end, to the, the four, I know you say six points isn't much, but actually psychologically the difference between six points and four points I think is quite important. And as Sam said, the loss of, of Andre Ayew is going to be really important for them going forward. And I, I think... You know, Steve Cooper himself said it was a missed opportunity and he's really disappointed. It's picking those players up now uh, for the midweek game. And and I just think I I agree again with Sam. He pretty much took most of the words out of my mouth, to be honest, about what I was going to say about Swansea, because that second automatic spot, you know, could go down to the last day when Swansea go to Vicarage Road. But I don't think it's going to. I I think Watford are going to have it secured by then. What about Wickham Clarkey? Gareth Ainsworth came dressed as Johnny Cash, which I, I particularly enjoyed. He said, we've got to get 46 points now. We have to win every game. Who knows? Fairy tales have happened to me before. Uh, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue, he he didn't add. But they're, they're not going to get out of this, are they? No, no, they're not. No, but they've made a really good fist of it. And it's given Ainsworth food for thought, potentially for, for next season in, in terms of the type of team that he wants Wickham to be. Obviously, in recent weeks, he's gone with more of a 3-4-1-2, which wasn't the way that they, they set up initially this season. And it's working really well. And they're playing, as, as Sam said, they've played some really good football in this game. It wasn't just about being sort of big and strong and and, and revolving around the set pieces. They, they they got in amongst Swansea's defenders. I, did, I mean, they're very powerful front too, aren't they? Ikpiazu and, and Musque. And then you've got McCleary behind, who's, who's got pedigree at championship level and has got, got power. So, yeah, they're, they're a handful. If you if you don't sort of snuff them out and control the game, if you let them get in your face, they will be they will be hard opponents. And I can see them um, flying very high in, in League One next season, um, Wickham. But, but they, um, they'll feel that it was a bit criminal giving up a two-goal lead, um, even against a team of Swansea's quality. 
At Faye, you must be absolutely thrilled still. A win 16 years in the making. James Collins off the bench to score the only goal of the game with a penalty as Watford were beaten by Luton by a goal to nil. That, that's got to be the best result of the season for you, hasn't it? Absolutely loved it. I'll, I'll be completely honest. I was a little bit dreading this game going into it. Um, and the, I thought the performance from start to finish was absolutely superb. Uh, we made Watford look poor and they are not a poor side. They've been brilliant this season. And, and I, I don't mind as a Luton fan saying that they started losing their heads we were getting really under their skin kicking balls into the stand as well it was quite I was listening to the I follow commentary which obviously is, is quite Luton Town biased with the with Simon Pitts and uh, he said that at one point the ball was kicked into the stand and uh, and hit the uh, technical analysis team's laptop and knocked it off the country <laughs> so, you know, not really helping your team there are you um, but you know obviously Watford I mean that would have been a sucker punch if Andre Gray's goal had been uh, allowed to stand thankfully it, it wasn't but Kiko Femenia sent off again a silly yellow card completely unnecessary and, and I just feel like we we frustrated them so much they improved in the second half but we were so good in the first half we just lacked the goal and and that has been our problem this season is just having that little bit of a clinical clinical edge really um, but you know we, we're 13th with a game in hand over the teams above us we could potentially have a top 10 finish this season which is just amazing bearing in mind where we've been, what happened to us last season, and we've got one of the lowest wage bills in the league, so I'm a super proud hatter this weekend. Rightly so. Um, is there a better manager out there at using a 4-4-2 diamond? I don't know if Sam's got any ideas on this. I mean, it was obviously the the sort of basis on which the initial success he had at Luton Town was, was built. Really, really fluent and obviously busy and hardworking, like he was as a player, really, a team in his own mould. Um, but yeah, in this game... That that midfield four, Panzu, Dewsbury Hall, Jordan Clark and Berry, they just they gave Watford the runaround. And um it was it was really, really good good to see. And and obviously it, it then it can sort of free up space out wide. And I think Watford's fullbacks had a had an absolute stinker in this game. So so yeah, look, Nathan Jones didn't work for him at Stoke, but he's doing a great job again. And yeah, I just I just think in terms of that system don't remember that many other managers nailing it in the way that he has at Luton on two occasions now. Yeah, he's got a system and a club that seems to work for him. So keep rolling with that, I guess. Um, Sam Watford, first defeat in nine. We're not really seeing this derailing them in any serious way in terms of uh, finishing in the top two, are we? No. In a funny way, I probably felt this game meant a bit more to Luton. I think the journey that they've they've been on where Watford are currently. I think they'll still do it. And I just think the motivation was probably stronger for Luton Town. I know what it's like at Kenilworth Road in those games and you can only imagine what it would have been like with supporters. But we know what type of character Nathan Jones is. Mick Harford's obviously there as well. You've got the the 2020 uh, consortium leading them, Gary Sweet and stuff like that. It was... It was a day to celebrate what's happened since probably I left the club, to be honest, where they've been uh, kind of reborn, I suppose. And and Faye knows all about that. So I just felt that showed in the performance. They were hungrier. They were aggressive. And, and Clarkie just touched on it there. The left back in particular who came in for Messina, Lassar. Apologies if I've correct that, uh, mispronounced that. But I just felt he maybe got that wrong. 
I think Ngakia, I don't know what's happened to Wilmot, who had a brilliant start to the season. And I just think that he could have reconfigured higher up the pitch, maybe put uh, Pedro in a, a wider position and started with Gray or maybe even Isaac's success. So I think possibly got his selection wrong and, you know, credit to Luton who, as the two guys have said, ran all over Watford and it should have been two or three. Commentary to Barnsley nil victory in the relegation nine-pointer against Rotherham on Thursday gave Cough a big boost. They then followed it up with this big win on Sunday. It means they're 18th level on points with Birmingham. More significantly, nine points clear of the relegation zone. Rotherham still got those couple of games in hand, but they're not winning any of them. So we're calling Coventry safe now. I think Coventry are safe, yeah. I, I wouldn't write off Rotherham completely. They've still got those games in hand. They could afford to lose at the weekend and, and still be in it. So, so yeah, don't write them off. They've got a lot of character of the Millers. But now Coventry don't deserve to go down. They're, they're a pretty good team. I really like them in League One. Um, and they've learned as they've gone along this season. What I think is a key change is they're definitely playing out from the back less. They were taking some almighty risks at the start of this season and getting caught for fun. Um, been a bit more practical in, in, in recent times. And they're also pretty pretty good at mixing it physically. That's what they did with Barnsley in this game. They sort of fought fire with fire and handled themselves really well. And a, and a lot of it, I think, comes down to the midfield. Uh, Matty James and Liam Kelly both come into the side in the second half of the season, and uh, and that's a good platform, in my opinion, for for the for the forward players to to go and do their thing. And th- what was interesting here was that Matty James started the season at Barnsley on loan, and got sent back not because he was playing poorly, but because Valerian Ismail wanted to give younger players at Barnsley the game time, basically instead of him. So 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 Matty had plenty of incentive to shine at the weekend, and he definitely did. Yeah, Mark Robbins not taking anything for, for granted. Like a like a salesman for Saga, he says, we need to get into the 50s. That has to be the aim. Um, but he made the point. <laughs> um, Barnsley, meanwhile, they've lost to Sheffield and Coventry recently. Seemingly struggle a little bit against teams fighting for survival. Last four games for them, Huddersfield, Rotherham, Preston and uh, Norwich. Uh, Sam's going to give us a quick analysis of Derby County's latest defeat. This one came at Blackburn. Leaves the Rams four points ahead of Rotherham. Mentioned their form's not great. They do have two games in hand. Uh, from what you saw here, Sam, how much danger are Derby in? Is it lots? Please say it's lots. Yeah, huge danger. Absolutely. One win in, in 11 and third defeat in in the row. I don't think they this should have been their third defeat in the row. I thought they started... Really well in this game and Blackburn were not deserved of, of maximum points. I think that much is clear. I think they've been really dealt a tough, tough blow by recent injuries. Just when they look to be turning the corner, Waghorn and Gregory get injured. Above that, Bielik has proven to be an enormous loss. I think on two occasions this season when he's been missing the results of have suffered individual errors and that inability to finish that's really why they are in the predicament they're currently in they looked a bit better when Colin Kazim Richards came on and the wire players had someone to hit but at the moment it's it's Tom Lawrence by himself I think he's been involved in the last four goals he was the best player at Reading when I saw them recently and he probably is the key to them getting the two wins I would say maybe another point out of the four that remain but it's going to go to the wire, I would imagine. It'll go to the last couple of games. And yeah, after such a, a good start to his managerial career, Wayne Rooney has toiled in recent games. 
Yeah, I'd say their running's fairly kind. Last four games, Preston not much to play for, Birmingham pretty much safe. Swansea by that time, you know, maybe already in the playoffs. And Sheffield Wednesday, last day of the season at home, likely to have been relegated by then. So we shall see. Uh, let's get some odds courtesy of our sponsors, Paddy Power. Our Acker was absolutely dreadful with the notable exception of um, Kelly Summers' pick last week. So a bit of pressure on this week, Adrian. What have you gone for our, for our midweek, Acker? Yeah, in the Championship, um, Birmingham play Nottingham Forest, don't they? And it doesn't scream goals, <laughs> does it, really? Um, Nottingham, I mean, not in the Forest. Do they ever score more than one? Maybe like, scored three in one game two weeks ago, so... Yeah, yeah, but that was probably the only time for, for about six months, wasn't it? But anyway... It'll tell you they scored three in the Zenith Data Cup final in 1992 <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> Gary Parker got two against Southampton, won 4-2, yeah. Anyway, Birmingham Forest, both teams to score, no, in capital letters. That's what I'm going for here. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's my pick. Yeah, that, that sounds um, that sounds pretty safe. Abby, what do, what do Paddy Power think of that? Yeah, very safe. 13 to 20, that one. Um, and uh, Birmingham are the favourites in this one. They're 11 to 8 with Forest 2 to 1. Rude. Uh, I've gone for Preston to beat relegation threatened Derby. Uh, what are the odds on that, please? It's quite tight, actually. Uh, Preston are 8 to 5, whilst Derby are 9 to 5, uh, like Dolly Parton. Um, and the draw is <laughs> 21 to 10. Double coming in at 3.29 to 1 at the moment. All right, we'll carry on with that as the show continues. Next, though, we're off to League One. So it's the business end of the season and we need some results quickly. Welcome to the Liverpool Q2 offside. Let's brainstorm. Hendo. Well, I spoke to HR and they got spare training and development budget. How about a new training ground? We tried that, it's too windy. Robo. Uh, how about we reward good performances? Oh, for, no idea is a bad idea. Let's uh, let's take it offline, yeah? Trent. Well, Gareth won't pitch me. Oh, no. I need results, not excuses. Yes, Liverpool need results, but have they left it too late? Check out the Paddy Power site for the latest top four markets. Paddy Power. 18 plus, big T's and C's apply. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis-Adams. Big one headlines. John Sheridan at Swindon after their latest loss left them closer to a swift return to League Two. There were big wins at the bottom for Wimbledon and Wigan and an even bigger one for Rochdale who've given themselves a chance of beating the drop. And Sunderland have now lost three on the spin as Hull and Peterborough extend the gap at the top. Streaky Lee is back. That sounds unpleasant. Uh, let's start, though, with that basement battle in South London. Wimbledon 4, Swindon 1. That was enough for John Sheridan to walk slash be given the Spanish archer, depending on who you believe. Uh, we'll heap praise on the Dons imminently, but first we should get the thoughts of Swindon Town Hall of Famer Sam Parkin on the latest goings-on at his old club. It's not exactly a shock, this, Sam. It's been a, a very, very unhappy marriage from pretty much the start. It's a complete mess. Obviously, I'm really... I'm just upset about it, to be honest, after the the brilliant season last year. Got so many things wrong. Obviously, the, the, the financially, they weren't able to compete and keep the likes of Owen Doyle and Jerry Yates and people like that. And of course, the pandemic has something to do with that. But I felt they could have made a, a better fist of putting a competitive squad together to compete this season. He, he, obviously, he's done... A decent job in patches previously, John Sheridan, but from the word go, it's been an absolute disaster. His his mannerisms with the with the press, uh, the way he's spoken to the players, I think has been highlighted various times this season. And he's not a manager that's looked 
to be inspiring. Probably the complete opposite. So the players haven't been good enough. They have to take responsibility as well. It looks like a matter of when rather than if now in terms of the relegation. And obviously the, the bigger picture is the ownership issue, which wrangles on with various court cases. And last week they severed communication with the Supporters Trust, the STFC Trust, which I've done work for in the past, who want to have a bigger say in the day-to-day running. Um, they're on board with a an interested party who's made an offer for the club, which Lee Power hasn't accepted to this point. So it's it, there's a civil war really breaking out, and it's it's um, it's a nightmare. So I feel really sorry for the supporters. Just gonna have to dust themselves down and hope that they get what they want in the next few weeks and months in terms of a change of ownership. That's the only way the fans are going to get back on board until that happens. Like Faye suffered in the past, it's going to be an unhappy place and an unhappy club. Yeah, and Faye. Sam mentioned John Sheridan's sort of relationship with the press and he's looked a bit sullen, etc. And that that's kind of reflected from the club, hasn't it? This statement that, that they put out, you know, just kind of ends. The club will be making no further comment on on it at this time. There's not much supporter engagement there. And, you know, supporters will forgive bad seasons and relegations and stuff if they feel a part of things and, and that, you know, there's an overall bigger picture there, but it just doesn't seem to be the case here. No, you've got to have communication with the fans. You've got to make sure that the fans are on board with what you're doing. If you have to make a difficult decision, you try and explain it to the fans so that they're behind you. If if you don't do that, you're in trouble. You know, as Sam said, we saw it at Luton. We've now got fantastic owners who have the best interests of the club at heart and they've made such an enormous effort to to bring the fan base together, make sure it's all of us pulling in in one direction and everybody can help support the club in, in their own way and that's crucial and, and, and if they can't work that out at Swindon then you know I, I worry for them like Sam does. What about Wimbledon though Adrian? Absolutely terrific turnaround of late. First time this is courtesy of Goodbrand. First time they scored four goals in a game at Plough Lane since February 1991 when they beat Spurs 5-1. Keith Curl and John Fashionu amongst the scorers uh, that day. Here's a question uh, from Q on Twitter. He says, can the pod please salute Aib Asal, who's been absolute revelation for the Dons in recent weeks, and should the recent flurry of incredible results be enough to beat the drop again? They've got momentum, which is massive at this time of the season. They have, yeah, and they're having fun, aren't they? They're not grinding out wins, are they, Wimbledon at the moment? They're they're relishing each fixture. I think that the, the young manager deserves credit here, Robinson, He's, he's focused really hard on playing an attacking brand of football, a slightly more stylish brand, I suppose. It's, it's high octane, it's it's aggressive, as you'd expect from Wimbledon, but but it's also about playing good football as well. And and it's working. 12 goals in, in three games. That's fantastic. And uh, Ayuba Sal, obviously just 19. I think he's got four goals now in, in only six starts. For a, for a player that doesn't play as a striker, that, that's very, very impressive. And he looks lively. Always worried about bigging up young players straight away. You know, I know from personal experience, it's so exciting at the outset that you're just, the adrenaline just, just takes you to a different level at times. And then reality kicks in and you have to maintain that, that those standards. That That's the hardest bit, I think, for, for every young player. So hopefully he can do that. But um, let's let's judge him maybe over over twenty, thirty games rather than, rather than a handful. 
So Wimbledon on a decent run. You'd say the same for Wigan. Three wins on the spin for them for the first time this season. The latest uh, coming at Crew, They won by two goals to nil. Uh, Faye, given the mess that, that they were in this time last year and everything that's happened since then, if they were to beat the drop, that, that would be one of the stories of the season in League One. It really would be because I, I don't think you can be a genuine football fan if you didn't feel for Wigan fans and what happened to them last season. And actually the last time they got three wins on the bounce was the night before they went into administration last year, which shocked everybody that that, that had happened. And Liam Richardson's doing a fantastic job. They got a little bit of luck with the opening goal um, from oh, the man with the best name in football as far as I'm concerned, Joe... Do 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 do, do 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 do. Every time I see it, I just get excited. Um, <laughs> so easily pleased, Faye. I know it really doesn't take very much, um, but you know, freakish deflection from him. But they needed that luck because they've just not had that luck for such a long time, on and off the field. Um, so, and then Lee Evans has been fantastic in the centre of midfield for for Wigan this season. It, he's he's just been excellent for them gets the penalty for, for the second goal and it, it would be fantastic for, for Wigan supporters if they could rally and, and survive Lots of teams picking up momentum in, in the fight to stay up we say Rochdale are amongst those two back-to-back wins for them 3-1 against ever-obliging Accrington I'm sure we all enjoyed the Ollie Rathbone backheel assist uh, Sam Rochdale have got a game at Wimbledon at the end of this month uh, that could well be spicy Yeah They've been on a horrendous run. I think one win in 14 and somehow they've pulled these two victories out of absolutely nowhere when they looked like they were destined to be one of uh, the teams to drop out without much of a fight. So this was another superb victory, outpassed, outshot, outfootballed Accrington, I thought, in in all departments. Um, Probably the best home performance of the season considering how limp they've been at Scotland and... Yeah, I think Lund's coming back as well. He came on for a few minutes. That's, you know, really important for them. Rathbone, as you said, is in magnificent form right now. So this is a great opportunity, probably playing Accrington at a good time. They've been very inconsistent of late and hindered by injuries. So, yeah, really good performance and giving themselves an opportunity, which three weeks ago looked like they were dead and buried. Yeah, and and I do think, guys, that, that Brian Barry Murphy's attitude, his sort of laid-back attitude to, you know, we'll go out and play attacking football, you know, try to to take the pressure off the players. I think it could help them during these high-pressure games in the running Um, because they certainly, in those two matches, didn't play with with the weight of relegation on their shoulders, did they? Yeah, really interesting team, Rochdale. So bad at the back at times this season, but they've only scored one, one goal less than Blackpool, who could be in the Championship. They've got 11 more than Ipswich. Rochdale, so so yeah, really strange team. But um, I, personally, I hope I hope they survive. But I don't want them to survive at the expense of Wimbledon or Wigan. So so yeah, I, I can't have it all, I suppose. But um, but yeah, those three teams, I don't know, they're, they're quite likable in my view. Yeah, it's difficult to pick, isn't it? You've got nineteenth uh, place Wimbledon on forty five, below them Wigan forty four, then then below the dotted line Northampton and Rochdale on forty and thirty nine respectively. So it's going to be tight. Down there at the bottom. Meanwhile, at the other end, Oxford beat Gillingham by three goals to two. It means that Oxford are in the playoff places uh, for the first time this season. Shout out to to friend of the show, Simon Watts, who had uh, his best mm. day of work for some time. I'm imagining mm. he managed to get the Oxford game and the Swindon game. Mm. <laughs> and as an Oxford fan, I think he probably 
enjoyed that. Uh, this is a, a significant victory, obviously. Adrian, you know, another team hopefully, you know, looking to, to get in those playoff places. And, and we've spoken about Oxford coming up on the rails and, and it looks as though they might squeeze in there. Yeah, they're not they're not the most rounded team, but but they can be great to watch, as we've seen, seen in recent weeks. Um, it was a great comeback, wasn't it? Fantastic character. Obviously a great day for, 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 the, for the manager, Carl Robinson, because he made some changes, bold changes off the bench. Changed the system. I think he went to a diamond, and and Aguilé and and Winnell came on and, and made a difference. Sam Long, I mean, what what season he's having at right back for them? Two great goals towards the end. So yeah, look, it, momentum and everything. That they're, they're capable of beating every anybody, aren't they, Oxford? I just I don't know. I don't know if they, they've got enough of a full package to to actually win the playoffs. Did you see that he made them? change in the stand or in one of the rooms in the stand here, Matt, which I I found delightfully petty because Steve Evans and Gillingham made them do the same thing uh, when there was a spike in COVID cases earlier on in the season, sort of, yeah, made them change in sort of less lubrious surroundings. And Oxford decided to to repay the favour. And, and when asked about it afterwards, Carl Robinson said, well, why did you do that? He said, well, I didn't want them to. I didn't want them to use the dressing room. End of. <laughs> so, yeah, love the pettiness, personally, especially where Steve Evans involved. Uh, yeah, I knew that was coming. Uh, Steve Evans continuing to make friends across the wide, wide world of football. Uh, let's get back to our ACA with Paddy Power. Faye, you've picked a League One option for us. Yeah, I've gone for AFC Wimbledon against Oxford because both teams in good form at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I think there might be some goals in that, which I'm very surprised to be saying, yet pleased to be saying that AFC Wimbledon could be on the score sheet and in a both teams to score situation. Abby, odds on that, please. Yeah, both teams to score comes in at 13 to 20, much like Birmingham and Nottingham Forest, not both teams to score in that one. Uh, Oxford are the favourites in this one, uh, despite it being at Plough Lane. They're six to five with Wimbledon 11 to five and the draw 12 to five. Uh, That means our treble now comes in at 6.08 to one. Specific. Right, League Two next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. 
League 2 headlines, big wins for Colchester and Grimsby at the bottom, while Southend can only draw against Exeter. Cambridge are back on top of the league after a 1-0 win over Newport. FGR got their new manager bounce with a 3-2 win over Scunthorpe. And Harrogate are safe for a second season of EFL football after beating Bradford 2-1. Uh, speaking of two ones, we'll start with the shock result of the day. It came at Blundell Park where Grimsby beat promotion chasing Bolton. Grimsby had 20 sh- 28 shots here, 13 of them on target. Sam, is is that bad that they're so profligate or good that they're creating so many chances? Uh, good that they're creating chances, I would say. Yeah, I had that written down, actually. They had 14 in their, their previous four before this game. So, um, yeah, they really peppered. The goal, so much so that uh, Jilks made a quadruple save. Did you see that um, in the in the Bolton goal, which was comical but excellent at the same time? They did really well. Um, yeah, I thought Hanson and and John Lewis for, for Grimsby were the standouts. Um, you know, ruffled some feathers. Minayesi defensively has been excellent. Saw him at Swindon a few years ago, and he was uh, a player that I thought had good potential. So plenty of chances for both sides, but. A really all-round team performance from Grimsby got the goals, and and Bolton have just hit a little bit of a rut in terms of goal scoring themselves. Owen Doyle has been scoring, but they're so overly reliant on him. Last um, seven games, they've scored seven. He's got four of those. So, but other players not chipping in as they were earlier part of the season, and it's a real crucial part of the the campaign right now. I still think they'll do it, but they need to return to their goal scoring form in the in the next couple of weeks otherwise it's going to go right down to the wire it was a, it was a good response wasn't it perfect response for for Paul Hurst after the embarrassment of of the two players scrapping on the pitch the week before um, but yeah I looked at the team because there's a lot of sort of fresher faces new 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 names on the team sheet at the moment for Grimsby I looked at their first league game of the campaign just two survivors the goalkeeper and the defender Hewitt, and it just shows you that it's so much of a churn in League Two. If you you're you're a member of a League Two squad that does poorly, there's every chance that that the whole eleven or or the vast majority of the squad will be binned off by the time you get towards the end of the season. It's it's incredible the the amount of change that supporters have to get used to as well. You, it's very hard to get that familiarity with with players, and when there's so, there's so much frequent you know chopping and changing. Uh, Clarky, you've got a framed Arsenal shirt on your wall. Unfortunately, though, you're not going to be eligible for this promotion that Grimsby Town are running because it's too old. If you've got a shirt from one of the so-called big six teams that's no more than three seasons old, Grimsby will let you trade it for one of their shirts from this season for free. Um, yeah, not sure there's going to be a massive uptake in that, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're listening to us because you've decided you've, decided you've had enough of one of these uh, money-hungry clubs and you've decided to support Grimsby instead. Please get in touch. They've already had two, according to Abby. Do you know which teams they were, Abby? Man City and Liverpool. Hmm. All right. Seeing when you're fishing, etc. Colchester beat Walsall 2-1, he said, quickly changing the subject. Uh, big win for them in the relegation battle. Six points above the drop zone with four games left to play. Hayden Mullins doing all right since his, uh, since his appointment, Adrian. Very well, yeah, very calm. I think he's made a good, positive impression. I mean, it is only their second win since the 8th of December, so which is amazing. It shows how far they've fallen because at one point they were they were easily top half. So it's been a rotten run and this performance was outstanding. You know, battered Walsall, 
18 shots to four. From what I could gather, that the front two with the, with the difference, uh, Folavi um, alongside Nuble, just just absolute handful during the game and in that in that four four two. So so yeah, well played, Colchester under pressure. They delivered a really attack minded performance, and and that is the key. I think you've got to relish these high pressure games and 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 not go down with a whimper and and Colchester did that in the, in the game so so yeah well done to them obviously I was gutted because I want I want Southend United to stay up at their at their expense but it really does make that game on 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 Tuesday night at Colchester just huge absolute it's the biggest game in Essex maybe ever because there's so much at stake the 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 loser potentially losing losing their place in the league. And it's not a regular derby, guys. I look back over the last 30 years, they've only been in the same division six times. So um, it's not the kind of game that the fans are used to seeing. But let me tell you, they, they're they not fans of each other. <laughs> they've got a tough run in as well, though, haven't they, Colchester? Because they've got after South End, they've got Cheltenham, Salford and, and Tranmere as their last three games. So, you know, they're <laughs> listen... The, the listeners won't have seen you do that, Adrian, but Adrian's punching the air with glee there. <laughs> this is EFL football. You do realise it actually makes no difference where half the, uh, the the teams are in the league when you get to this point of the season. I think if you look at the games in isolation, Faye is bang on. If Southend were to get something to get maximum points, it's probably, I think Phil Brown said it's the biggest game in their history. And I would give them a great chance if it probably wasn't for Hayden Mullins and Paul Tisdale now having that gig at Colchester. I just think that, I'm not saying Paul Tisdale's a football genius, but just having that experience, um, the, the nous those two will have together and putting together a game plan to win that game against Walsall, a must-win game, by the way. I would have sided maybe if it had still been a little bit chaotic at Colchester United with Phil Brown coming back and the story, but I just think they've given themselves too much to do and that's my feeling on on Grimsby, Grimsby Town as well just too little too late yeah looks that way say probably Warsaw on 49 and Mansfield will feel they're safe then then 20th Scunthorpe 47 then it's Barrow 46 Colchester 44 Southend and Grimsby on 38 and 37 but their goal difference is far worse than the teams above them so that might be an extra point difference as well uh, back up to the other end of the table Morecambe 4 Oldham 3 always get good games with Oldham I think whenever we seem to cover them always loads of goals uh, Morecambe taking advantage of Bolton slip up against Grimsby to put the pressure on that third automatic promotion place I uh, can't be many players Sam who go from the Atletico Madrid youth team to, to Morecambe but Carlos Mendes Gomez seems to be enjoying it yeah he's been Revelation, hasn't he? Getting loads of column inches. I think um, national uh, broadcaster did something with him recently on on uh, on Saturday afternoon. So yeah, he, he's going brilliantly. I think Diego Raga got special praise from Derek Adams for a beautiful bit of skill for the fourth goal. I think something that you wouldn't associate with a midfield player who. I've grown more accustomed to see him snapping people in half and um, just recycling the ball nice and simply to be producing skill like that. But yeah, I mean, they are absolutely flying. Eight goals um, in the last two at home. Him in particular, just need to sharpen up a bit defensively, um, especially from set pieces where Oldham gave themselves an opportunity of getting something from that game. But I've looked at the fixtures, nothing to fear. 
been immaculate at home against the teams in the lower reaches of the division. They've got Bradford to come. They're there, aren't they? They're there on merit. Um, could be the story of the EFL season if they are to make it into the third tier. They've gathered a really um, attack-minded lineup. How many other teams in League Two have got mul- you know number of players that that score multiple goals and 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 make multiple assists? You look at them: O'Sullivan, Wildig, Mendes, Gomez, Diagaraga, Stockton. All score goals. All make goals, and and that gives you a chance to win matches, doesn't it? And uh, and that's why they're where they are, top of the home table. Um, nine away defeats. If they'd have just trimmed that figure down a bit, they'd, they'd be certs, I think, to, to go up automatically. Taking it back to Southend briefly, I just thought it was an interesting stat. Morecambe, nine away defeats. Southend, eight. I mean, one of the worst teams that we've seen in League Two, you know, for a long, long time at the start of this season. Only actually lost away, uh, eight away games, less than, than promotion chasing Morecambe. It truly is a funny old game. Um, Faye, one of the things I love about this time of the season is that you get these massive matchups that that are more like sort of one-off cup games. One point currently between Morecambe and Bolton in the table. Next weekend, it's Morecambe v Bolton. It's going to be a nervy old day. I love stuff like that. It's brilliant. Whenever whoever puts the fixture list together at the beginning of the of the season, I wonder if they have these little nuances in in, in the back of their heads because we've got quite a few of them in the EFL, haven't we? Uh, this season, when you think Swansea, Watford, as well in in the Championship, um, it's going to be it's going to be very very tense. Uh, and I'm going to sit there with splinters like I tend to do quite often and say, I don't know which way it's going to go. Smart money might be on the draw. Speaking of smart money, uh, as historically hasn't been with these actors that we've been building, but Sam, give us a selection from League Two anyway. Uh, I'm going for uh, Stevenage and Cheltenham under 2.5 goals in a a thriller (laughs) Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, Stevenage just don't really concede at at home and they're the the lowest scorers in the division apart from the bottom two. Uh, 1-1 it played out at Wadham Road earlier in the season that's good enough for me to have another really dull bet on Tuesday night Abby is it a dull prize? 1-2 1-2 to two for under 2.5 goals uh, brings our Ackert to a 9.62 to 1 and uh, remember with Paddy Power there is that Ackert insurance if one leg lets you down get a free bet back you can find out these prices and more on the Paddy Power app or paddypower.com. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Right, just about done for this week. But given the current circumstances, it seems only reasonable to ask, what's the most poorly received idea slash suggestion you've ever made? Adrian, I'm going to let you have first run at this. <laughs> uh, look, I'm, I make them on a daily basis. Um, most of my ideas are poorly received, especially at home. But let's not go there. Um, <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> I can't think of, in general life, I can't think of anything that I could share that's that, that, that's that funny. But in football football terms, I do remember suggesting quite politely, considering how unhappy I was at being left out of the team, I suggested to then Stevenage manager Wayne Turner that, that maybe I should go on the transfer list. And uh, it wasn't well received. And he suddenly got very, very angry at me and started sort of, you know, banging the table and he worked himself up into such a, a lava that, that that he banned me from training, banned me from the stadium and and got me to train on my own at the David Lloyd Centre under 
supervision of one of his grasses who was to tell him if I was slacking. So, yeah, that was a really badly received suggestion. <laughs> and uh, but, but let me tell you, when I did leave, um, it felt good. <laughs> Love that. Faye, a hospital pass. Try and improve on that, please. I can't improve on it. And I was, <laughs> mine's not football related and it's not even my own either because it must be a male thing because my husband comes up with very poorly researched ideas on a daily basis <laughs> that tend to be met with a lot of eye rolling from mine. We currently have an enormous trench in our back garden because he's decided to build a fish pond, which I didn't think we needed. We've already got one that I didn't want fish in, that we do have fish in. But his Double one this morning... Pond. Oh, honestly, I can't. It, it, it's just more admin. Um, but this morning he came up with this one. He's like, well, you know what it's like with um, integrated technology all the time. And they're talking about, you know, what, what, what you could do. What's the one thing that you just never have on you when you need it? I'm like, I have no idea. A pen, a biro. That's what you never have on you. So what I reckon is that we should make a prototype of like a go-go gadget pen that's integrated into your finger that then the blood supplies the (laughs) ink so you can literally always have a pen literally to hand. I was like, right, okay, yeah, I'll use that, I think. (laughs) Yeah, there's a few issues with that. I mean, I can see how it would work, but I'd worry about ink mixing with blood and potential complications (laughs) thereafter. Um, This is my daily life. (laughs) yeah yeah feel for you i can see why you're in an enclosed soundproof room um for a lot of the day uh sam help poorly received idea yeah well in my 20s me and my two best mates henry and and phil we had a party every year got birthdays close together so it was normally some room we'd hired on the fulham road king's road clapham all the football lads would come uh it was glorious time in my life and Attention soon turned to like the 30th. What were we going to do each year? It got more lavish. I say lavish, like in real loose terms. We had the vodka luge and the people walking around with the tequila shots. We'd have a little VIP area, nibbles. You know, we were really going for it by this stage. And I just said, we've got to really up it. Let's have a party at Cyan Park, which for if nobody knows is like a country house estate. So I had this visions of like a band and like it's probably swans roaming about. I didn't. I don't know why I said it, but every year when my birthday comes up now, everyone knows about it. When's the brass band at Cyan Park, Parky? <laughs> like, <laughs> have you got the animals ordered? Like, what we got to wear? Top hat and tails. And it's just run now. Everyone knows that I once said I was going to have a party at Cyan Park like I was royalty. <laughs> I actually went to a party at Sion Park once, you know, and yeah, I don't think it would have suited you. Abby be, probably owns it. How do you go uh, from shots in Clapham to to swans at Sion Park? <laughs> you, you don't, you don't, Faye. I think it was a throwaway mark, remark that you know we'll have to go big one time, and every year it gets dug up, and we end up doing shots on Clapham High Street. I think Abby might own it because she's just told me that Scion Park has a good play area, um, which kind of links into mine, but it's more along phase line. I suggested to my illustrious wife yesterday that we could turn our back garden into a football pitch, um, a small one. It, it's it's like perfectly set up for that. Uh, it was not well received. So, yeah, <laughs> there's that. Um, that'll just about do it for us today. Many thanks to Faye, to Adrian, to Sam and to producer Abby, mainly though to you, listener. George and Ali will be back with extra time on Thursday. Do join them for that. We'll see you again next week. But for now, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. 
keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the totally show on twitter and insta check out all of the athletics football podcasts on apple spotify and all the usual places or listen ad free on the athletic app the totally football league show is a muddy knees media production and sponsored by paddy power the athletic